Welcome to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. The real estate market is shifting. The time is now. The Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast is your home for the mindset, tactics, and tools needed to break through your limiting beliefs and find freedom by investing in foreclosure deals. Don't buy a house, buy a deal. You need to get into this right now. And now, your host, the Foreclosure Deals Coach, Donnie Corum. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. I am your host and Foreclosure Deals Coach, Donnie Corum, recording live from our downtown studios, and I am so excited to present my guest this week on the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. This week, we're going to be bringing in none other than Rob Thompson with the agency here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Now he's a real estate agent, but we affectionately refer to him as a, I don't know if it's data nerd or data geek, because you have to clear that up when we when he gets inside here. Before we bring him in, though, I want to do our mindset quote of the day because it's so important that we really discuss what we're doing with the data world right now. And Rob's really going to speak to that when he gets here. So the uh the the quote we have for mindset is data powers everything that we do. And I want you to think on that. That was by Jeff Weiner. Jeff, it was the CEO of LinkedIn, a social media platform I'm sure you're all aware of that really focuses in on data. Mr. Thompson is a huge data guy. He's going to teach us a whole lot about what's going on in the database space. Without further ado, let's bring on Mr. Rob Thompson. What's going on, Rob? How you doing, baby? Great, Donnie. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, man. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Let's pop open that quote one more time. I want to get your thoughts on this. And obviously, you're a data guy, so you can appreciate this. Data powers everything that we do. What, what, what do you think about that when you hear Jeff Weiner saying that? Well, what's the first thing that comes to your mind as a data guy in the real estate space? Do you agree with that statement overall? Uh, I agree with the statement, yes, sir. I, I think it ought to. Data ought to power everything we do. Sure, sure. Um, and, and in the real estate space, are you seeing a lot more data-based choices? I mean, are you, as a data guy, tell me a little bit more about what you do. Let's start there. I, I know you've been a real estate agent for a while. Give us your backstory just a little bit. Where'd you come from? How long have you been in the business? A little bit about how you ended up where we are today. Okay. Well, uh, foreclosure crisis, 2006. I, uh, okay. I bought a house. In, I was stationed in Vegas. I was active duty. I was stationed at Nellis. I bought a house that I never should have bought. <laughs> uh, I, re- I remember reading about this bubble thing that uh, was occurring on the fringes. And I, uh, I remember asking my real estate agent, I said, Hey, uh, what about this bubble thing? And I, I just had come back from overseas. I'd been gone for eight or nine years. And I had, I was going to build a, buy a house and buy into the American dream, buy a house. And uh, I said, Hey, what about this bubble thing? And he said, Oh, you'll be fine. We're selling houses like hotcakes. I said, great. Sounds good. <laughs> I said, uh, okay, great. And then I asked the lender, I said, Hey, uh, lender, uh, what about this bubble thing? And they said, Hey, if it pops, we'll refi you. I said, great. Sounds good. In retrospect, the fact that I felt the need to ask uh, mm-hmm. two different parties probably ought to have been a red flag for me. I don't know that 26 year old me would have listened, but, right. uh, uh, I did ask the question. They, they said it was fine, bought the house. Six months later, the market crashed. Uh, mm-hmm. Went back to the agent and said, uh, hey, man, what now? And he said, uh, uh, beats me. And I said, hey, did you think this was coming? Did you Because something about his body posture. And he mm-hmm. said, hey, uh, what'd you expect me to say? I have a family to feed, right? Right. Um, then I went back to the lender, lender and said, hey, Miss Lender, 
what uh what now and she said or you know i said you're gonna refi me right because you said you refi me if the bubble pops sure. and they laughed and said hey uh we're out of the refi business ha 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 so they're in launched an education about short sales foreclosures refis or but being underwater what all that meant deed in lieu of foreclosures long story mm-hmm. short i got an education in what uh in real estate and i decided i was going to be the agent that uh told people as, as best you can uh and as straightforward as you can hey mm-hmm. this is this is not a good idea these are some things to factor in so uh, fast forward about three years, I got stationed in Colorado. As I was nearing the end of my military career, I got a real estate license. Uh, and that, that, I've been a real estate agent now here locally for about a decade. And about four years ago, maybe just four and a half now, I, I've i always wanted to build tools uh, to okay. present the data to the public. I feel like so much of the information that we see out there is opaque or it's non-relevant. You know, For example, the price of a house in the United States is completely irrelevant to someone looking to buy a house in Colorado. The price of a house in Colorado is completely irrelevant to the price of somebody looking to buy in Colorado Springs. Yes. The price of a house in Monument is completely irrelevant to the, somebody looking to buy a house in Fountain. So uh, I wanted to be able to build tools and deliver hyper-local, accurate statistics and information to people to make informed decisions. And so I went back to school to learn to program. Uh, did that. And then uh, over the last two years, so about two years ago, I, I zeroed in on data and uh, and how to tell data stories and visualization. And so that's where I am today. I, uh, I have a website, grokthemarket.com, where I publish a lot of statistics about the market. And I just try to give people, uh, and hey, here is the story, uh, right or no right or wrong. It's the information. I'm not making judgments right. necessarily. I'm putting the information out there saying, hey, here's what the current close to list price ratios are by sub area, or mm-hmm. here's the top 10 sub areas with listings so that people can make informed decisions. And that's my goal. I love that. And, and there's so much that I don't want to you know, speak ill of any other real estate agent out there, but mm-hmm. I like what you said there because you went through a bad experience with you know how your house was presented to you. Obviously, nobody really could have seen that coming completely, but a, there were some warning signs back then, were there not? I mean, was there not data, if you look back at that historical data, that there were signs of this happening in that era? There were. Uh, you know, Just the run-up in prices alone should mm-hmm. have been red flags and, and were for for uh, Michael Lewis and the big short and a lot of those guys mm-hmm. uh, there should have been. And, and in retrospect, I wish I had thought to act on those, but too, uh, you know, the experience I've had in the last decade too, is some people don't want to hear it either. Mm-hmm. Um, That's so, very true. Uh, yeah, I mean, people don't want to be faced with the data, Rob. That's what I love about what you do. And you and I have really connected on the, the data analysis, the real estate analysis that I think we're both very passionate about. We mentioned the big run-up in prices was a huge indicator as to the future crash that befell us back then in 2007 and 08. We just had a huge run-up in prices. Are we not facing the same market in the relatively near future, in your opinion? Or, or where are we at now, do you think, as far as the, the data indicates? That is a great question. You know, we've seen a literal doubling of prices in the last several years. Um, That's a good question. And and the best answer is it depends. Uh, I hate how that sounds like I might be hedging, (laughs) but uh, we are literally in uh, uncharted territory too. Uh, About four four years ago or so, I'm looking at a chart right here. They turned up the M2, right? The the supply of money, uh, the historical... Uh, departure in, in the amount of money that started flowing into the market. So hedge funds jumped in, everybody jumped in that had access to that free money. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a 91 
uh, percent correlation between the 90 to 91% correlation between the uh, median price of a home in Colorado Springs and the federal M2 money supply over the last 26 years. Okay. So uh, the short answer to that is it depends on what they do with the money supply. If right. the government continues to, to taper That's off right. the money supply, right. then our, our, you know, our, our, we're going to see a steady decline in pricing. Uh, that said, um, you're familiar with the term black swan? No, actually. Okay. So uh, coined by Nassim Taleb, uh, it refers to uh, an unpredictable event that uh, has an outsized ripple impact on the markets. For example, okay. the tanker that went sideways in the Suez Canal. I want to say that actually ended up causing countries about $1.2 billion. Jeez, that was a black swan event, something okay. that hey, nobody saw coming. Uh, so that I, some, I am concerned that there is a potential for a black swan event. Yeah, you know, if, if depends on how the war in Russia and Ukraine goes, depends on uh -huh. how China and Taiwan go, Israel and the surrounding nations. There is a lot of potential in the globe for a black swan. The Fed seems to be going for a soft landing, in my opinion, right now for the yes. market. But if one of those black swans pops off uh, and, you know, it could go south, if you can't contain all the variables, it could go south pretty quick. It could at the micro it. level, it, it could. And at the micro level, there are some concerns. For example, uh, we have a big military population, approximately 30% of loans are VA, right? Right. So those okay. folks who bought homes in the last six months to a year at the top of the market in uh, two years to three years to four years, they're going to PCS. Then they're going to see, hey, wait a minute. Okay, this house that I bought at the top of the market in May of 2022 has or lost market. or above market because they did appraisal gaps. They did uh, uh, brought waived inspections. They did all these things. Right. They're going to find out their house is uh, approximately 15% underwater and wow. they need 10% to sell. So they need to make up a 25% gap. And oh, by the way, the house won't rent for anywhere near their to cover the mortgage right so right. then they're going to be faced with do i do i rent at a loss do i walk away do i sell at a loss can i sell at a loss do right I, you know, so all these things so that's our local black swan uh now nasim taleb would actually probably be very offended that i just called that a black swan because he would say it's an entirely predictable thing uh sure. so um it's going to happen at this point it's, it's going to happen and right. uh, you know the the alternative is that this keeps going, but uh, but its close proximity to the M2 shows that it, it can't keep going if there's no free money uh, or the free money has been tapered off. So it has to shift. Yeah. As, as a foreclosure deals coach, I don't want to celebrate the losses of people losing homes, but is there not a benefit, Rob, do you think to investors who are getting in the market now who anticipate the fact that the market's heading that direction, get out in front of it and start looking at buying deals significantly below market today to capitalize on that and work on it. Do you, do you think it's a good time to start looking at investing in the fact that that is going to happen? It is. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a system. The, uh, the entire real estate industry is a system. Every function serves, every role serves a function in that system. So there, you can move as a foreclosure coach, you can move faster than I can as an agent listing homes in the MLS. And sometimes that's the right answer. If a right. person needs to get out of the home and they're, they're, they're fully informed on the decision they're making and they, they can't wait for the market. We're right now tracking uh, 47.46 days on the market. Some people can't hold that long. That's average too. So right. uh, our median days on the market is 32. So half the homes are selling for 32 days or more and half are selling for 32 days or less. So, okay. so, so it, it is a solution to a problem.
Yeah, and I think investors have always been a solution to the problem. I mean, you look back at that 07, 08 crisis where the investors were pinpointed as the bad guys in that market. But I look back at that market, I go, had there not been people getting into the investor market or looking at that as an opportunity, it could have gotten worse than it did if there were no buyers at all. Am I right? That's a really, that's a really good point. In fact, the person who I ultimately short sold my house. And uh, if they hadn't been there with that capital, I would have had mm-hmm. to go to foreclosure or bankruptcy. So you know, uh, that it's, it's definitely, there's a role for it. There's a role for wholesalers. There's a role for agents. There's a role for FISBOs. They're yes. all tools in a toolbox. Absolutely. And that, that's really what we present in the coaching program, Rob. We'd like to talk to people about the fact that we're not trying to take advantage of the misfortunes of others, but rather that investors provide that necessary backstop to every market to keep it from falling completely off the map, right? So whether it's opportunity and the money shows up, like in the case of your short sale, there could be a softer landing than there will be if there is no opportunity in the market at all. And I really think there's going to be a ton of opportunities coming on. You mentioned days on market. How has days on market been affected since the interest rate increase of mid to 2022? How, what percentage wise days on market average? I know we were measuring it in hours on market for a while, but do you have the basic statistics on what the effect on days on market has been in the last six months or how, how different that's become? Yeah, we've gone. Uh, we've increased uh, nearly f- f- three times. Uh, we, wow. At one point, we were down to 18 days. Uh, we're at 47.46 right now. A couple of days ago, we were at nearly 60. Uh, so, so what's interesting too, and this in the last two weeks, we've seen an uptick in in activity uh, in the market. Yes. Um, I do think it, it is not a sustained uptick. It's just uh, uh, we're going to see we're going to come back down. Uh, one of those false positive indicators. Personally, mm-hmm. I, I think we will come back down. It's not a resurgence. It's not that time of year for a resurgence right. either. February is typically slower than January, which uh, right now actually we're tracking about, we're down about 48% uh, from the volume of sales last year. Uh, wow. December was uh, 52% down from the previous December. So uh, it, you know, there's deals, there's people out there looking and, and we just bought a house. In fact, we're I'm in oh, really? house right now. Yep. So uh, That's great. thank you. Uh, the right, you know, the market still moves, you know, in our case, it was a necessary move for the kids school and, and jobs. And so mm-hmm. we, we, we found the right house. Now I do, I would say if you're going to buy a house in this market, you know, uh, make sure that the, the payment is sustainable. Uh, that's yeah. the metric that I use and tell my clients, ask yourself a couple of questions. Is it, is it reasonable to expect the appreciation that I need uh, in the time I intend to hold the home uh, to, uh, to sell on the other side? If not, is the payment sustainable? Is it rentable? In my case, um, this payment is sustainable for the long term. So I candidly don't really have to worry about market highs or lows because this is our quote forever home. So, and bought with that. And I love that you're asking that question. Okay. And again, we're all in the sales business and I'm not knocking people who are obviously making their living as real estate agents, but that's a great question. If things go south, can you turn this into a rental property? Do you have another exit strategy? And I feel like so few retail agents are even trained in that discussion, much less are presenting that as an alternative or maybe to reconsider buying a home because they're going to have to sell properties at a higher proficiency in the market because there's just going to be less transactions and there's so many agents right now. Are we seeing a drop-off significantly in the number of agents in our local market at this point? Uh, Less than I expected, actually. Um, Coming into the new year, I honestly expected 
several hundreds, if not a thousand agents, you know, because we had 6,000 licensees. Wow. Um, right. Uh, we're down to about 5,400, 5,450 right now. Uh, okay. So we did lose about 500 over the last several weeks. Uh, I do think, too, as we go forward, just as you said just a moment ago, there's not going to be enough sales to sustain the, the, the commissions and the money necessary to keep going. Right. Yeah, I totally agree with that. One of the things that my clients are noticing, and obviously, you know, you've got two different breeds out there. You've got the retail agent out there pushing the retail product, and then you've got the the investor, my clientele, are coming in trying to buy a deal. Why? Why is local market data like what you provide at the level you provide it? Why is that so important? Do you think to deal analysis right now? I mean, it's always been important, but now that the market's kind of suffering, how do you feel that the importance of your data has gone up? Do you, do you think people are going to need that more? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I was I was building this in an up market, and uh, candidly, I wondered a few times, like, why does no one care? <laughs> why does no one care that you know it's uh it's this is uh it, you know it's important, right? Uh, uh, but then then I realized it was an up market, and you didn't have to. When you talked earlier about houses were being measured in in hours, hours. on the market, right. uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Put a put put price on it. Put it out there. It's going to sell. But now. Uh, it's critical. Uh, you know, we have hundreds or thousands actually of sub areas in town and there's a variation in what they're selling for. Yes. Uh, one is selling at 93%, you know, one is selling at 101. There's an 8% gap there where you, if you're looking for deals, it's critical that you know that information so you don't overpay or uh, if you're the seller, you want to know, or the seller's agent, you want to know where you can price that house. Uh, for example, Banning Lewis Ranch, you know, mm-hmm. what's that selling at right now versus what it was, you know, it's right. down 4%, you know, or uh, whatever the metric is for that one. I'm looking right now at, so for example, takes a second to populate here. Uh, Banning Lewis Ranch is uh, from actually January of last year. It's the top selling sub area. Uh, now, if you look at it in, in the aggregate uh, uh, over the last 12 months, 13 months, it's sold at 1.24% above list price. However, right now it's selling for 6% under list price, right? So, so that's, that's why it's important. You need to know bang for your buck. If, if you're the buyer, seller, investor, where to shop, if you are an agent and you are door knocking in Northwind, um, you're door knocking in the 50th selling sub area. Why are wow. you doing that? Right. You know, those are the kind of things. If you're an agent, you want to be door knocking in Banning Lewis Ranch, Pueblo West, Meridian Ranch, Pikes Peak Park. The, uh, yeah. Those are the ones that are moving. So if I'm going to be go door knocking, uh, those are where I want the listings. So right. that's where I'm going to go. take, And I'm going to take this data to them too. And I'm going to be like, Hey, by the way, I can sell your house at 1.91% above list price in an average 11.23 days. Uh, and that, that and makes you a much more powerful agent, right? When you come in absolutely. with hard statistics like that, you're a more powerful agent. You're definitely a more powerful investor. And, and in general, I'm advising my clients, just like you're advising your clients, you've really got to be focused on that, that data to make your decisions and where you're going to buy, what you're going to spend, and what you're going to rehab the property to right now. Because the data also shows us the condition of properties. Do you think that now that interest rates are up, people are expecting more from their home or will they prefer to pay less? for the overall purpose price, the discount or condition that's weighing out the market now, in your opinion? Uh, condition. Um, okay. it, it, that's people. And it, it flipped, you know, I anticipated this. A lot of us did, you know, if you're looking at 2006 and looking at the trend saying this cannot sustain. Um, I even was surprised with the speed with it switched. You're talking about a one week period where people went from paying 15,000, 20,000 over, mm-hmm. no problem at all, no questions asked to literally 
two weeks later, uh, I'd like six thousand dollars in concessions. Right. Um, you're gonna fix everything, or I'm walking. Right. And uh, which which power be to the buyer, right? The sellers had sure. their had their time in the sun, and now it's uh it's it's the buyer's turn. But no, it's I, I'm seeing buyers just nope, not not for the house for me, and they know now we, where we were having to tell them, hey, there's a not trying to pressure you, but there will be multiple offers in this house in the next six minutes right. <laughs> uh, to right. uh, buyers <laughs> saying, I'll let you know in a day or two. And, right. uh, and, and part of me is like, well, we don't have that. Oh, actually we do have that time now. Okay. So, right. <laughs> so, so switching gears just a little bit, Rob, uh, obviously you're a family man. I love the pictures you post on Facebook of you and your daughters and all that. Uh, how do you keep yourself motivated to do deals when things are hard like this? I mean, is that what, what's your, why, what, what drives you to get out of bed in the morning and hit this market hard every, every day? That's a good question. Uh, it's just, it's a passion for me. I love helping people make decisions. There's a quote that I think about uh, real estate is, is the engine of our economy. Right. Uh, yes. And, uh, uh, and it's such a critical decision for people. I mean, the wrong buy, the wrong buy sends people into foreclosure or bankruptcy Absolutely. and it affects them for years. Right. So connecting people to the right data to make informed decisions uh, is, is my my professional motivation uh, for me too. I also firmly believe in real estate as a long-term investment vehicle. So one thing I do uh, is as I've gone from the word go, I started setting aside money from sales commissions to be investment capital. And then I bought a quadplex. And so, uh, and then I bought another single family property. And then two years after we bought the last one, we bought this one. So now, mm-hmm. so my other, my other personal why is building a real estate portfolio that I can hand to my daughter's, uh, when I, when, when it's time and say, Hey, you know, uh, here you go. Uh, yeah. And what a powerful motivator that is right every day to look at the market and go, this is not just what I do for a living. This is how I build wealth for my family in the future. And I love, you know, you're one of the very rare agents that, you know, a lot of agents don't even own their own home. That that's, that's, that was a very common a statistic for a long time. And now, you know, entering into investing is just a very rarity for most licensed agents. So you, you've broken through that gap. How did your first deal come about? How did you manage to get your first deal done? Was it just like you mentioned, saving from commission? How did you know to get into investing when you did? Great question. Uh, so I, it was, it was always, I got, I got burned by 2006. I, I, we finally were able to buy another home and I'd always heard multifamilies and, and it mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, multifamily, you know, is less risk because there's more people paying the more, the note. Uh, uh, so what I did was I was looking for multifamilies, uh, found a quadplex and I had funny stories. I had gotten six people together who, uh, who had expressed interest in partnering with me because I wanted to spread the wealth on that deal. I okay. wanted to spread the risk too, you know, I'm pretty risk averse, especially after 2006. So sure. I, got six people together and I said, Hey, um, I'm shopping for a deal. Are you interested? And they, they said, yeah, tell us when you find the deal. So I started looking, found this quadplex. I got on biggerpockets.com and ran their analysis tools. I posted the deal on various forums asking people to tear me apart. Tell me why this is a bad idea. Uh, and <laughs> the, the overall feedback was no, it's solid. Um, and, uh, no one had anything to pick apart on it. It cash flowed. It was solid. So I said, great. So I said, okay, I got the six people back together and I said, it's time. Let's, let's, let's pool our money and do this down payment. And they, uh, uh, five of the six said, oh yeah, let us know when you've made the offer. And I said, wait a minute, hold on. Uh, I said, uh, I can't make the offer without the capital to, right. uh, to make the offer. Big part of it, and, yeah. uh, right. And, uh, you know, and, uh, the, 
only one person was like, well, you know, I, I'm still interested, but, um, you know, tell me when you've made the offer and then, uh, then I'll, I'll bring money to the table. And I said, okay. So I went back and I scraped every penny I had together and okay. I came up with the down payment. And, uh, uh, so I made the offer, then approached the six again and said, okay, uh, I still believe, you know, in one fifth or one sixth, the risk for my first deal mm-hmm. as, and, uh, uh, one of them came back and said, okay, I'm in and I have a silent partner who's in too. So, uh, the, we, we, we pulled our money. And so I am majority owner of, of the quadplex and have been for six or seven years now. Um, they're silent partners. I manage it, but they, you know, at the, at the back end, uh, they'll, it'll pay out for them. Love it. Uh, That's so I, that was, setting up those partnerships is so important, especially now when property values are so high, it's going to be important to bring in capital partners. So I love that you set that up. couple more things, Rob. I want to keep this short, sweet, and out of respect for your time. Thank you so much for this. Um, I, you're the owner of one of the largest Facebook groups here in Colorado Springs, the 411 for the 719. You're now at like 60,000 members. So people, I mean, from all walks of life, everything you can possibly imagine, come to that group. What was the inspiration for getting that set up and, and, and making it the, the largest forum really on Facebook, as far as Facebook groups go in the city, but what got that started? Good question. Uh, so it actually started with a housing group. Uh, when I first got my license here in town, I uh, observed that no one was talking to renters. It was just no, there's no help for renters due to the dynamic of our city and the fractured rental market. Okay. So I, I, I started a Facebook group where I, I had of a mantra it's still to this day, a decade later, I have a mantra of meeting people at their stated level of need. So inside this group, somebody can come in and if they're a guy with three pit bulls and a $700 a month budget, I'm still going to talk to them. I'm going to be realistic and I'm going to tell them, man, there's nothing for you here. Uh, I got a call one time from somebody in the group. They were packing up their home in Oklahoma and uh, somebody had told them to call me and he called me and he said, I have $1,500 to my name. I'm on my way. And, uh, and I, I, I heard you're the guy to talk to about rentals. And I said, Hey man, stop. Do you have a job? And he said, uh, no, no, I'll get one when I get there. And I said, okay, you need to know this is not a rural town. Like it might sound, uh, you're going to get here. No one's going to accept you because you have no job. Uh, no one's and no intent letter either. You don't have the money for a deposit and first month's rent. And it, long story short, he said, you, you told me, somebody told me you help people. And I said, I am trying to help you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. uh, so in that group, that first group, that that's been my mantra is meeting people at state of level of need. Then came the four one one, and it's it's the same thing. Uh, building a network. What I've long said is I want to build a tribe of people that can come to these resources, whether it's the community group, whether it's the housing group, yes. and get an answer to their question at their stated level of need. And it just kind of has evolved. And I run that group as, as a, as a professional, uh, we, we have a set of guidelines. Thank you. We, we have a set of guidelines that we, we enforce and, uh, we're, we're, we're not draconian, but we're, uh, we enforce the guidelines. You gotta be nice in the group. You can't be mean, can't call names. Uh, and we validate the posts and it's just building a community. I I wanted to build a community. Thank you. Great job on that. Yeah, it's, just, it's grown so big, and a lot of people, everybody in town is aware of it. There, there's a link there to check it out. If you're not already a member of Rob's Facebook group, 411 for the 719, you got to check that out. Last question, so we're going to wrap up here. Have you hired a professional business coach for your business? And if so, what, what did that do for it? Did you ever bring anybody in to help you coach? So uh, do you know Seth Godin? Uh, yes, of course. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, so I am a two-time graduate of his uh, Alt MBA seminar. I took a seminar, oh, wow. and then he he held another one for uh, graduates, a graduate seminar. Uh, so he is effectively a business coach, and uh, I am been a long proponent of him and a longtime follower of yours. Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, and all the lessons you put out. But yes, and I would say the the principles of a coach. Uh, it, I think a lot about this. There are thousands of leadership philosophies and thousands of mental models and thousands of from Tony Robbins to yourself, to Seth Godin, to Gary V. And I often think there's so many, is there room for, do they work? And it's about finding the one that resonates, the the packaging that resonates with you. Yes. And uh, so, yes, if, if Donnie resonates with you and his message resonates with you and his enthusiasm resonates with you, uh, by all, I think you should hire him. Well, Rob, thank you so much for saying that, sir. I really appreciate it. Guys, once again, check out Rob Thompson at the agency. Is there anything you want to add in conclusion, sir? I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Anything we can add to that? Uh, you rock. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, and uh, data. Make data-driven decisions, and, and you, you mitigate the risk. So uh, know what you're getting into. Ask yourself those questions that we talked about earlier. It, what's the long term here? Don't have just one exit plan. Just I say, don't say I'm going to buy this house and I'm going to sell it. Well, what happens if you can't sell it? That's okay. that's my last parting wisdom. I love that, sir. Thank you so much for being on the show. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rob Thompson from the agency. Thank you so much for being on the show. Guys, um, listen, uh, this is great advice you're getting from a data guy at the very top of his game. And listen, if you're, if you're going to make a buying decision in real estate this year, as Rob just alluded to, you got to use the data. You've got data sources like Privy that we help my clients to work with. And then you've got coaching and other available tools where I can help you to make sure if you're going to buy your first fix and flip in 2023, you do so with the right data. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. What an awesome opportunity to meet with Mr. Rob Thompson. Much appreciated for coming on the show. Once again, this is Donnie Corum, your foreclosure deals coach, thanking you so much for tuning into the show and reminding you yet again, don't buy a house, buy a deal. Thank you for tuning in to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. If you like what you heard here today, remember new episodes are uploaded weekly. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Do you want more of the Foreclosure Deals Coach? Are you ready to learn the mindset, tactics, and tools required to be a successful real estate investor? If so, click the link below to schedule a one-on-one coaching call today with Donnie Corum, the Foreclosure Deals Coach, to determine if coaching is right for you. And remember, don't buy a house, buy a deal.